preseason is no time for breakdowns, except for this one. Welcome to episode 117 of the British Bird Gang Breakdown. Football season is just a few short weeks away, and just like our favourite football stars, we also need some pre-season preparations. So as always, I'm Tom, and joining me at training camp is Callum. Oh man, I need a warm-up after that. It's been a while since we've uh, done a podcast. It is, but we've actually got quite a few things to talk about in this episode. As always, we've got pre-season, we've got news, we've got fantasy football bits, maybe, as well. Yeah, we've got as, yeah, you have pre-season games and pre-season news in general. There's been camp, there's been, you know, uh, active players on active fields. You know, it's 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 been a busy time, certainly busier than this time last year when there was no camp and there was no, well, no pre-season. Yeah, I mean, thankfully... Well, I'd say thankfully COVID's over, but it sadly isn't. We've still got plenty of issues running rife throughout the league, throughout the world, everywhere. So Yeah, and in fact, we'll be having a look at some of those issues specifically as they relate to the Cardinals later on in the podcast. But uh, before that, we do have some some more general news. Yep, and finally, we actually have something which might be aching to news on Larry Fitzgerald and his status for the 2021 season. Yeah, it's hardly concrete news, but this is probably the the best uh, that we've had for good a good while. I mean, given that we were expecting to hear something by the end of January, you know, I think we'll take anything else we can at this point. Back on Friday, Larry Fitzgerald revealed on the Sirius XM NFL show, "Let's Go with Jim Gray." He was quoted as saying, "Jim, to be honest with you, I don't just have the urge to play right now. I don't know how I'll feel in September, October, November moving forward." But I just, today, I don't have the urge. In in many ways, this is the kind of thing that we were all expecting to hear. Um, you know, I think it's something that uh, a lot of Cardinals insiders have been describing Larry Fitzgerald as having, you know, one and a half feet out of the door. Honestly, you know, at this point, I, I really don't think that we're going to see Fitz at the start of the season, at least. You know, whether that changes as he gets, like, you know, further into the season, I don't know, but... I don't know. To me, it seems like it's going to be a, a Fitz retirement, as it was. He just seems to be going out as he wants to, you know, quietly, out the back door. Exactly. And actually, like if you think about it, this might be, you know, all part of the ploy, because we've always said about Fitz that he absolutely wouldn't want to have a big, you know, a big deal made of it. And, you know, if he just decides to, like, not really announce that he's retiring, but just, you know, stop showing up, which, by the way, it should be mentioned that he's not been at any of the training camps. He's not been at any of the preseason games. He's just, you know, been been absent. Well, I mean, he's not been under contract, as he said. There's been no need for him to. He is a free agent. But, you know, there, I think there was a lot of people who were expecting that, you know, even if he was a free agent, he would maybe show up to the camps and maybe show up to the, some of the preseason games, even as like a you know, a guest on the sideline, as it were, but he's not been anywhere near them. And, and you know, I can't blame him for that. And this could all be as a ploy to just retire without it being a big deal. You know, it's the sort of thing where nobody would want to run a retirement special on him if he was going to potentially come back mid-season. And if he's just always got that potential, then he's never officially retired and people can't make a big deal about it. I mean, he might not want to make a big deal out of it, but I'm sure the fans would, you know, the Cardinals organisation would like to make a big, whole, massive deal over his retirement whenever it does happen. Oh, yeah, I agree. I, I Personally, I would quite like it to be, you know, something that could be celebrated as a career because, I mean, that guy, what a career he's had. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, if they do, like, obviously, if he does retire, you know, what happens to the number 11 jersey? Will we ever see anyone in that jersey ever again? Well, I think it kind of comes down to him as well, right? Because he might be sort of sitting there saying like, well, actually, I don't want you to retire the number. And I don't, th- I think it would be a very Larry Fitzgerald thing to do for them, for him to not, or for him to request that they don't retire the number. But also, you know, it, it, even if it's not retired officially, can you imagine being somebody who's coming in and, and wanting to take that jersey number? You know, like those are some big shoes to fill. Both physically and metaphorically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't think this is the last that we've heard of this this season. But and you know maybe maybe that urge that he's talking about in the in the radio interview maybe that urge does come back. You know, come September, come October, November, whatever it is. You know, maybe if he sees the team out there playing well, I'll tell you something though. If the team is you know, let's say four and five, uh, going into into week ten. 
that's not going to be the kind of thing that's going to bring him back. That's true, yeah. But obviously, we don't want to speculate on things like that so far into the season because, you know, trying to be positive this year, we don't want any like losing records or that sort of thing. I'm I'm being positive. I'm what I'm just saying is that if you are if you're tempting or if you're attempting to tempt Larry Fitzgerald back part way through a season, you know, just to finish it out and 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 go one last run. He's going to want to make it a run at the playoffs. He's going to want to make it a run at the Super Bowl. You know, by by not showing up early in this season, that's him, in in my mind at least, conceding a lot of these all-time records that we know that he would need at least another full season to break. It's him, you know, conceding probably the fact that he's going to retire without a Super Bowl ring. But one of those can be remedied, you know, by joining partway through a season, the other can't. And one of them needs it to be an extremely good season uh, at that point to to really tempt him. But the thing is, though, if we are doing that well in the season, why would we need Larry Fitzgerald back? If it's only just well, would it just be for like sentimental reasons as opposed to him being like contributing to the team? I mean, you could argue that the whole last season he was there for sentimental reasons rather than contributing to the team, really, couldn't you? Yeah, I mean, but people won't let you say that because it's blasphemy and all that. <laughs> I think we said it quite a few times in the season and, and, and it was, you know, well accepted. That's not to say he didn't make some plays last year and, and clearly, you know, he got he got his numbers um, you know, going up a little bit and he was very useful in certain situations. Um, but I could absolutely see, you know, bringing him back specifically for that situation a few times. Well, we'll move on from one card, ex cardinal, well for the time being, who's got his legacy intact, onto <laughs> yeah. a player who is Seemingly destroying his legacy with every passing week, with every comment he made and all that. Yeah, I I should uh, I'll point out to uh, all the listeners that in our little uh, document that Tom put together, he's spelled it as Patrick P E D Erson, because um, that's who we're talking about. He who has been I would say like vocal about the Cardinals, but actually specifically not vocal about the Cardinals. In this case, it's what he isn't saying that is uh, interesting. Yeah, there was one of the plays in, I think it was week one, Minnesota against Denver. He was on the sidelines, obviously, because that's where he belongs. But yeah, one of the things he was saying, he referred to Arizona as the place he just came from, as opposed to mentioning them by name. Yeah. Oh, it definitely was. I think it was meant as a dig, to be honest. Given the, the stuff that he's been saying you know, elsewhere in the season, definitely, definitely petty if it's nothing else. And then, of course, on Monday in Peter King's article, he brought up a number of wide receivers he's looking forward to be playing against this season. But he didn't seem to mention DeAndre Hopkins or AJ Green in that list. This is where it gets just a little bit sad for me because it's like we know he has gripes against the organization and... and the way he claims he was treated and all of this sort of stuff. But, you know, when you're looking at individual guys, you know, the guys on the team that he played with, it would be nice to at least see him show them some respect. Yeah, but obviously he doesn't seem to be willing to do that because he brought up both Julio Jones and AJ Brown of Tennessee as plays he's looking forward to be playing against. But the Vikings don't play them this year. Oh. So is he still thinking he's in Arizona? That's a good point because Tennessee is our first game, right? Yeah, it is. It's just needless drama in a way. It's something that I'm not particularly interested in. I, I mean, in the end of the day, I wish the guy well. I think, um, you know, he, he was a good player uh, at a certain point, and it would be nice to see him return to that, you know, after coming off of a couple of seasons of, of relative mediocrity compared to where he was. And it's always good to see a player, you know, excel, whether they're a cardinal or an ex-cardinal, but... Um, I gotta say that the uh, the the trash talk and the it's not even trash talk it's it's just petty pettiness that's that's not very endearing. We play them very early in the season, so it might not take long until we can actually throw those words back at in his face. Yeah, I think um, I, I am looking forward to seeing how that goes. I mean, it's always dramatic when you know an ex player returns to their team or you know like faces them or whatever whatever way you want to see that but i think this one would be particularly dramatic and it would be you know it, it would be fun to be going in with you know good cornerback play having been executed on our part and not necessarily like take him to school or whatever but to just you know 
show him that we're doing fine without him. I just wonder when are we going to start burning the Patrick Peterson jerseys because I've got a couple waiting. (laughs) I don't know know about burning them, but they're definitely not going to be worn this season, I don't think. And I don't think that they're going to be like... um, you know, uh, like a lot of the throwback jerseys that people hold on to. There you go. The two players that we've, uh, you know, that we've spoken about today, you know, one of them's got a legacy where people are going to be wearing those jerseys for a good long time. And the other one's got a legacy where those jerseys are, are at the very least, going to just stay in the cupboard. Or in the bin, you know, buried at the bottom of the garden, you know. On some kind of um, Guy Fox night doll. I mean, my neighbour is burning. I could go just toss it on the fire. <laughs> yeah, you never has some sort of big bonfire going on. Which, if you hear any explosions, Tom's neighbour is uh, is is burning deodorant cans. So. As long as like I'm safe and the podcast is safe, that's all that matters. <laughs> Speaking of uh, safe, we've got a couple of players who are safely inside the NFL top 100 this year. Yeah, I mean, we're still waiting on the final edition of the countdown, which is the guys who are in. 10th to 1st, which obviously has to include DeAndre Hopkins, otherwise there's been a massive travesty in the voting. Indeed. But so far, there's been three Cardinals including in the countdown, with J.J. Watt in at number 66, Kyler Murray in at number 39, and Buda Baker was the top safety at 19, which is up 78 places on last year. Yeah, I gotta say, of all of all the guys that are on there, Buda Baker's uh, rise is the most fun. Uh, it's just, you know, I mean, we knew he played lights out last year. And, oh yeah, we should mention, by the way, this, um, the, the NFL Top 100, if you don't know, is voted for by players. So it's not, you know, just like fan favorites or anything like that. It is people who are, um, you know, uh, fully in the in the know that do these things. I think especially for you know a safety being voted on by the players, like they know exactly which safeties they don't want to face. And Buda Baker is the top safety overall at the moment. Yeah, he was in the countdown. He was the top rated safety ahead of guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, Blitzboy in Seattle, and everyone else basically. And you know what an exciting guy to watch, and and absolutely well deserved. But you know, up uh, seventy eight places is fantastic. It's no surprise to hear that that was the biggest rise in the entire show. Yeah, I'm not. I'm really not surprised at all. I mean, I think um, you know from the from the twenty nineteen stats, it's the sort of thing that you you know as a Cardinals uh, fan that you're onto something special with this guy, and then. 2020 was just kind of the year that he he went mainstream almost you know it's the year that everybody sat up and took notice because going into the games coaches had film on him and they were like like this guy's special you gotta you gotta watch out for him and you know when you're in a game where you've already been told to watch out for a guy and you can really see what he's doing then you know no wonder he he gets voted in as as highly as he does I think the big question now is, though, where does DeAndre Hopkins feature from 1 to 10? As you said, it would be a travesty if he was somehow outside the top 100. Um, I can't imagine he's in the top five. I, I'm trying. I'm struggling to think who I would put as my top 10 NFL players at the moment. I think there's obviously going to be guys like Patrick Mahomes, yeah. uh, Aaron Rodgers. No, I think Aaron Rodgers has already been on. Aaron Donald, he'll definitely be up there. I think, um, yeah, what what we'd probably be looking at realistically, I think, is is somewhere in the six to ten slot. Should we put a number down? Where do you think he'll be? Uh, I'm going to go with eight. I was going to say eight as well. Oh well, all right, okay. We'll go for a podcast prediction of eight then. Will will this podcast be out by the time the the top ten is announced? Yeah, because the top ten is, I think, it's the twenty fourth, which is Sunday, which is. Today, the 24th? No, not the 24th. The 31st, I think, or 28th, one of those dates. Yeah, 20, 20, okay. The podcast will be out before the final episode is out. But there's a chance that, uh, there's a chance if you're listening to it late and you already know, then uh, send a tweet to at British Bird Gang and let us know uh, how we got on with our prediction. 
Or, you know, I'll just gloat on Twitter if it turns out to be. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, yeah, we predicted that. We predicted. Make sure you listen to the podcast for more predictions. They won't all be as good as that one, but, you know, there'll be predictions. <laughs> Should we give a quick uh, quick rundown of the other two players that were on there? So, J.J. Watt in at 66, um, which I think must be considerably below his career prime number. Um, but, you know, you still can't argue with uh, being a top top 100 player. Yeah, I mean, he didn't play too much last year, so if it's obviously based on that, I think the problem is, is that it's like it's all based on an average of all the players being asked to vote on, you know, on their top one hundred essentially. And you know, I think at a certain point, you you get to be a, a famous enough name that people sort of think like, oh well, I can't leave this guy off the list. That being said, you know, JJ Watt when he was playing last year. Um, was playing really well in a team that was absolutely crumbling around him. So, you know, getting in at number 66 uh, is something... I'm very excited to see where he's at, you know, in a Cardinals uniform, how he's actually playing, how he, how fit he can stay. Um, but I think it'll be fun to see where that number goes next year. I think he's just lazy as well, though, because he basically just turned his jersey number upside down, didn't he? It's <laughs> true, actually. Somebody whose jersey number wasn't turned upside down, unfortunately, is uh, Kyler Murray, who was in at 39. But I mean, like last year, he was, I think it was 99. Yeah, so he was. He was. He's gone up quite a few places as well. Yeah, just not quite as much as Buddha, but I think it, it's similar reasons, really, isn't it? It's like, you know, 2019. As Cardinals fans, we watch every minute of Kyler Murray. We get excited about him. We're, we're, you know, really excited to see where he goes. And it takes a while for, you know, defenses to catch up on who this guy is. Offenses, you know, don't really pay attention to any teams that aren't their, their own uh, offense. And, you know, then after the season comes around, you get a whole new season of football, you, you know, all of this stuff. It just gives players time to really sort of see Kyler in action, which I think is a big reason why he's moved up the way he has that and the overall uh maturing that he's done as well like we talked about that a lot last year his like better decision making that led to more yards uh having a better team around him obviously helped him you know get to more yards and generally you know settling in yeah it's one of those ones as well like if he has another good season this year, like how high is he going to be in the 2022 edition of this list? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I think um, the, the these are the sort of things that are, are quite fun to watch. And I think it would be, it would be interesting to see, you know, something for JJ Watt as well. So see how these things fluctuate over time and how it relates to your, you know, like statistically best season. Obviously like the, every single person he include in the like title of their like montage piece where they were in the list last year and where they are this year. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Something to keep an eye on for next year, but that's for next year. And this is for this year. Um, we are moving on to talking about some of the preseason camp stuff. Uh, a couple of things that have uh, come up there in particular, we've got, um, you know, quite a lot still around COVID, obviously. A couple of months ago, it was reported that the Cardinals were one of a few teams below the 50% vaccinated threshold. But then a few weeks later after that, it came out that they had actually had above 95% vaccination rates throughout the team. And as far as I can tell, like all the staff have been vaccinated, so there's yeah. not going to be any issues in that area. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it really does come down to there being just a very small number of players, uh, almost certainly players who aren't doing it. And, you know, I, I assume there's a few people who are, you know, exempt for other medical reasons, but um, less so with players. And uh, given his uh, speaking out, uh, we can probably assume that uh, DeAndre Hopkins is probably one of those few. And the other one who we seem to think will be is Andy Isabella. Mm. Because he's been on the COVID list twice. And this second time he's had a, I think it was 10 days, which is the shortest amount of time if you're unvaccinated. So people are putting two and two together and making it Andy Isabella's not got a job. Yeah, a lot of teams are really seeing, you know, that that number tick up and up and up because, you know, people are realizing like, well, you know, if there is positive COVID tests, then 
you know people are missing games and if there's not a good isolation procedure and stuff then it starts to get to a uh, situation where you know games are being forfeit and you know i believe they've brought back the the official forfeit rule where if you uh if you don't show up at the uh, at the game essentially the other team wins by two points and it'll count against the team when it comes to the playoffs as well like number one go get vaccinated if you can it is so simple and it's going to make such a difference but you know number two I I think that it it does come down to with these guys specifically a lot of them who were um, not willing to get it in the first place realizing that you know you got to do it for for the team or or a lot of people who thought oh I don't need it because I will be fine if I get sick they're realizing they do it for the team yeah because I mean like throughout camp so far we've had quite a few players going on and off the covid list yeah and not insignificant number of them which is you know um it's going to happen when the numbers start getting higher right and especially with uh groups of guys like this who are young and and you know during certain parts of pre-season there's not a whole lot of pressure on them so they're out doing things when they're not at camp and all of that sort of stuff yeah, so the list so far that we've got down here is justin Pugh, jordan phillips james connor Darrell Daniels, Lecky Fotu, Charles Washington, Andy Isabella, Rico Gafford, Shaq Calhoun, Lorenzo Burns, Justin Pugh for a second time, Kelvin Beecham, Rodney Hudson, Andy Isabella for a second time, and Keyshawn Johnson, no, not that one, and also Isaac Whitney. They've all been on the list at one point or another. As I said, it makes sense for a group that that big, but I do think that... um... Uh, Justin Pugh, who has been on twice, um, did have a, a really interesting tweet the other day where he was basically saying to the NFL, well, I'll quote it here, it says, hey, at NFL, we need daily testing for both vaccinated and non-vaccinated players. I was vaccinated and still got COVID. As of now, vaccinated players test every 14 days. That's not enough. Who knows how long I walked around the building with with it or whoever I got it from. Fix this ASAP. And I do think, you know, if, if you're in a position to do it, then doing something as simple as the, the lateral flow style testing, you know, could be, a, could be a good thing to help prevent spread among the practice facilities. Yeah, and Jordan Phillips was one who replied to that tweet saying he was also vaccinated and he's also got pinged. You know, these things are, are hard to avoid, I think, in a, in a situation where you've got a busy uh, workplace like that. But um not to get too personal, but I've been in work uh, back for, you know, I, I went back to work in June 2020. So I've been back in work for a good long while and, and you know, working closely with people in the labs and things like that. And we've all been, you know, wearing masks and gloves and stuff like that. But we moved to, um, you know, testing as often as possible just to basically stop any chance of uh, localized spreading, you know, within within the workplace. Because, the problem is, is if you get you know one or two people who who do get sick from one thing or another and you can't prove that it didn't spread then you got to start isolating a lot more people you know yeah it's one of them things as well like 14 days for testing vaccinated people like the government advice over here is that even if you're vaccinated you should be testing twice a week anyway yeah two two lateral flow tests a week and you know i think for something uh, for for that's all he's advocating for i don't know if daily is needed but you know every couple of days i think is a sensible thing especially after you know otas and, and classroom sessions and stuff like that that they're having um where people are indoors and they are like running around and breathing heavily and in close contact and things like that um you know, it's, it, to me, I think it's quite a sensible thing to call for and, and you know, good on them for, for speaking out on that. Yeah, because I mean, like last year, they had them all testing every single day, didn't they? But again, that was before vaccines or anything like that. So I think there's there's a happy middle somewhere there where they don't, because, you know, the, the, the lateral flow testing, despite it being quick and relatively painless, it could be a, you know, pain to try and get it done every day. Like in, but every couple of days, again for the for the vaccinated players and and the unvaccinated players alike and you just pick these things up quickly and, and that's it you move on i wonder how many anti-vaxxers we've turned off the podcast just <laughs> good riddance 
yeah, well, speaking of moving on, though, uh, shall we move on to talk about some of the preseason games that we've had? Yeah, the Cardinals have played two of their three preseason games so far this season, winning one and losing another when they beat Dallas in game one, 19-16, although it certainly didn't seem that way when watching on Hard Knocks. And game two was Kansas City, where Kansas City came away with a 17-10 win. Not, I've not seen the uh, Hard Knocks episode. What what did you mean by it certainly didn't seem like we won? Did they did they kind of skate over that bit of it? Yeah, pretty much. Like It didn't really seem to focus on the result that much. It was just more about... Just base, obviously, because it's about the Dallas Cowboys, it's going to feature a lot more of their plays, isn't it? They got to fit it to the story they're trying to tell, right? There wasn't really that many highlight moments for the Cowboys. So, like, there was that return where the guy hurdled over nobody. They had like several different camera angles of that, though. <laughs> the Dallas game was it, it was fun to watch, insofar as getting the. Cardinals back on the TV, but there's really not much you can bring about that. You know, it was um, Chris Strebler and uh, taking most of the attempts and Colt McCoy out for a couple more. There weren't really anybody that you would call first string on the field particularly. I mean, there were a few guys who are obviously going to make a big impact in their first year. Agreed, yeah. And it might have helped to earn some guys a lot more playing time in their second years and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what these games are for, right? Like, I don't think it should be a game where we go in and we see the first units on, like, working out, and, and we'll get onto that when we talk about Kansas City, Kansas City and stuff. But, you know, it's good to see these guys get a chance. And, you know, I think um, Kingsbury was talking about, specifically for this, this week right now, um, for certain players, it's really important now that they get some stuff down on film both for the Cardinals to make their decisions for, you know, final cuts to the roster, but also for the guys who don't make that final cut. They've got something down on film that they can then take to other teams, you know, they can show off to other teams and say, like, well, you know, this is a reason to hire me, essentially. I think we'll get onto that bit, though, because, like, obviously there's been two games, but we can't really separate the two of them and, like, talk about them separately. So I think, like, We'll take positives from both games and then negatives from both games. Yeah, that works for me. Obviously, we'll kick off with the positives because who wants to be negative all the time? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I see you've got uh, Zavin Collins written down here as the first name for for the positives. And I got to say, between him and Rondell Moore and Marco Wilson, that's some, some good drafting right there so far. It does make a change, doesn't it? Because everyone seems to slam Steve Kine for his draft decisions. But so far, those three just look really good. Albeit like in preseason. Yeah, exactly. But that being said, you know, it's the sort of thing that if they're now looking healthy, they're moving well, they're in facing some, you know, game time in in a a big stadium for some of them. I mean, Zayvon Collins played at such a small school that you know, these stadiums, despite the fact that they're smaller than a lot of the big college ones, they must feel, you know, big to him. These sort of things are the kind of things that help you get seated in for the season. And it's the sort of thing I think last year's draft picks missed out on, actually. The thing is, though, with like Zayvon Collins, he made an impact straight from his first snap on the field. And I think these are the kind of attitudes that you need to go into these games with, right? You know, you need to be playing the guys in front of you. You need to be you know, ready to make a play. Uh, and, and you know, I think these guys are out there to impress and that's that's good fun. Yeah, Marco Wilson, he's been amongst the best performing cornerbacks in preseason per PFRGM. I really hope that sticks around. I mean, cornerback is uh, obviously a big position of need for us. And um, I mean, the thing is, is interestingly as well, Marco Wilson, I was reading recently that the Cardinals actually had a second round grade on him. Uh, and picked him up much later than that, obviously. Um, and to be honest, the way I saw him playing, I was like, yeah, I could see him being a, a second rounder. Yeah, I mean, like, he's made quite a few decent plays so far in preseason. Like, I think he's had, I think it's three or four pass breakups, you know, like where he's just shown off his sheer athleticism to get in front of the guy. And, like, he could have had a couple of interceptions as well had he been able to catch the ball. But instead, you know, we'll take the incompletion it came from it. I think as well, when you're when you're a first-year cornerback, and, and, you know, I suspect that he will be on the field for much of the season, you know, people are going to throw at you because you're an 
you're an unknown quantity if you like you know they they're sort of thinking like you know you don't have that reputation that patrick peterson had when he was with us where people just wouldn't throw anywhere near him because they thought that there was a higher chance of him coming down with the ball or they knew that he was you know going to be able to cover so well and i think you know if you're able to get in and play like marco wilson is if you're getting your hands on the ball if you're breaking up passes if you're you know, doing all of that, it could lead to some some really spicy plays through, especially the early part of the season. Yeah, and also Rondell Moore, any time he's able to get the ball in his hand, something happens. I got to say that's nice uh, as well, especially given, you know, mixed bag of receivers. And I think that he seems to be a little bit all round and also looks like he's going to be in doing quite a lot of special teams duties as well. Yeah, but obviously if he pro- like progresses in the offensive side, then maybe they'll dial them back and like give someone else those reps. We are pretty uh, uh, deep in the receiving uh, you know, list at the moment. And I I think Rondelmer is obviously uh, obviously sticking around, but um, you know, there's a there's a lot of positions up there for grabs and there's a lot of guys that want them. Um but so far Rondelmer is impressing and I, I do think that we will see him um, you know, on the field quite a lot properly for the offense this year. We have seen a lot more Chris Streveler this off season, well in preseason so far, and also Colt McCoy showing why he's a decent backup in their two games so far. I think it's important for, for those two guys to get out as well. And I do think that, you know, one of the reasons that Chris Streller struggled the way that he did um, you know at the end of last season was probably due to the fact that he just hadn't had any actual playing time before that point you know yeah because like he didn't have a single preseason game at all last year he just had to come in training camp that sort of thing I think you know the last time before he faced the LA Rams with their horrifying defensive line last year the last time that he played uh, any active football was you know, outside of like a training camp scrimmage, was in um, in Canada. Yes, worlds away from what he's doing now on the field. Yeah, exactly. So it's um, you know, I think uh, these kind of reps for first traveler are are really important. And as you said, Colt McCoy, you know, out there showing, you know, he he went six for seven in the in the first game, and uh, five for six in the second. Uh, oh no, sorry, thirteen for eighteen in the second game. Um, so you know both uh, pretty good, pretty good overall stats and 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 just playing well, a good football IQ, and this is exactly what you need from a backup like that. Yeah, I mean Strevler made a couple of good plays in the first game. The one that obviously obviously sticks out is the big run up the middle where he just ended up destroying a poor Dallas Cowboy. Yeah, it was a like a significant rush as well that he had. He had he ended up, finished that game with fifty five yards rushing. I think he led the team in rushing that game. Uh, yeah, he actually did. Eno Benjamin in second rusher with 50 yards, which is, you know. It's funny you should mention Eno Benjamin because he's next upon the list of positives. Yeah, I, I could say that. Yeah, well, I mean, like, obviously, as a ASU product, fans were disappointed, I'd say, to see him spend pretty much all of last season inactive. Well, it was all of last season, wasn't it? It was, yeah, he didn't get I don't think he got any playing time last season, but yeah, you know, I, I do think so you've written down here that he's probably gonna have overtaken John Ward in, in the RB three pecking order. And these are the kind of plays like you need to show those flashes, you need to show what you're capable of. And that's the kind of thing that is gonna get you moved up the order, it is gonna get you put into special teams, it is gonna get you, you know, put in for certain types of packages or certain types of plays. You know, especially with uh, with our running backs who do get thinged up, you know? Yeah, I mean, he has looked really good on returns as well. Like, he looks really quick when he gets the ball in his hands on the returns. Kickoff returns, that is. Much like uh, Rondell Moore, you were saying, you know, earlier, it's when he does get the ball in his hands, he kind of makes things happen, right? And obviously you need people like that just, like, basically kickstart the game for you, don't you? Yeah, exactly. I think it's it's both a kickstarting the game and also a, you know, just a bit of chemistry. It's being a catalyst in the team. You know, it's given people something to, given people on the team something to get excited about, given the crowd something to get excited about, because that's something that's going to be back this year, of course. Yeah, and of course, like, the big returns also mean a shorter field for the offense to go work on. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of thing can make a huge difference to an F offense going on the field. You know, if you... 
if you manage to get a good return and you're in a situation where you need a score, you know, an offense going on the field at, at the 60 yard line, let's say, uh, has, you know, statistically a way better chance of scoring than the 80 yard line. And they know that. We've got Matt Prater at kicker these days as well. So literally anywhere on the field, he might be able to blast one over from. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's going to make a big difference to strategy in general because we know that he... I, I have no idea what his career long is, but... Um, I think he's 63. Yeah, jeez, man. I mean, what we know is that he can be pretty automatic from the 40 to 50 yard range. I suppose I should have written him... I should have written. I should have written him down on the positive section because throughout preseason he's not missed a single kick. Admittedly, with the uh, Kansas City game, he only had one field goal, but you know, all the extra points being good. You know, obviously, as we said, it's preseason. There won't be a huge amount of pressure there, but you know, throughout his career, he's made eighty-three percent of his field goals. You know, that's that's pretty solid and this is exactly what you want from somebody like that and he also looks really good on kickoffs as well which is something that detroit didn't let him do oh interesting okay i think they had like the punter doing kickoffs well hopefully you know if he if he feels confident with his uh with his uh leg then it would be good to get him you know out there and and um playing and 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 you know these these are the kind of things that these guys train for and get him out there get him doing kickoffs get him doing uh all the pats. The one thing I don't want to see from Matt Prater this season is 20 yard field goals. You know, I, I don't want to see field goals from short scoring situations. No, exactly. Do have turn them into touchdowns this year? Yeah, for sure. We do have a few negatives though. Oh, well, actually, sorry. The last positive should be um, no real injuries. Yeah. Like I think counting up, maybe we've had like a slight injury to Chris Banjo. And I think Charles Washington, maybe. Yeah. But apart from those two, nobody really sticks out as like getting like badly injured or anything like that. Yeah, definitely no season enders. A couple of dings here and there, but you know, I I actually don't have the stats in front of me, and I should have looked them up. But it definitely feels like the healthiest that a Cardinals roster has been at this point in the season. I suppose besides the defensive line that we seem to be missing, like pretty much everyone on. That's also, those are injuries that we knew were coming as well, though, really. Yeah, like holdovers from last year. Like, Of course, one of the other positives we should mention is the fact that both J.J. Watts and Dennis Gardeck returned to practice yesterday. Uh, yep, they, they were in the building. They were uh, fully participating in practice, I believe, which means that both of them are going to be starting the season, I suspect. It's a bit tougher with Gardeck because I think he was only like 190-something days ago where he tore his ACL. And he's only like 180-odd days out of surgery as well, which is a very, very short period of time for an ACL tear. But, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, between him and his doctors and the team doctors, they they absolutely don't want to put him out there unless they believe he's ready for it. And I think, you know, at the very least, if we can see him in in organized team activities and stuff, I think we'll see him for limited packages throughout the year. Well, I mean, like last year, he made his biggest impact on just like a handful of plays. Didn't he? he had like seven sacks on 30 odd plays. Yeah, it was a very short period of time that he was, you know, in making a big difference. But so we know he can make, you know, big differences in short bursts, let's say. Should we move on to the negatives now, though? Yeah, we've tried to a couple times, but let's let's move on to the negatives. As you say, who cares about these negatives? It is preseason. Like we're we're well aware that you know these games are essentially meaningless. But I think you can't you can't talk about the the two games that we've seen without seeing that first string offense really really struggle against Kansas City. Three drives and three three and outs. I'm not too disappointed that we didn't see much from them because, you know, get that out of the system now rather than like week one against Tennessee. Yeah, but I, I got to say for me personally, I'm so this I sort of mentioned this to Tom before we started recording that I, I had a little bit of a problem with Kyler's. I'm not going to say attitude, but it's more just like his lack of lack of almost as though he wanted to be there at this preseason game. And I get that nobody wants to play in the preseason, but 
um, you know, similar to Zayvon Collins, Rondell Moore, and Marco Wilson, you can only play who you've got in front of you. And I think that the way that Kyler played, you could tell from on the field almost that he didn't want to be there. And not only that, he skipped out on talking to any of the media after the game. He only talked to somebody on the sidelines and said like, well, essentially, you know, what a lot of us were thinking, which is it is what it is. It's only preseason. But that being said, you know, there's people in the stadium who've paid to be there. There's people who are paying to watch the game. And on top of that, you know, this is this is their chance as the Cardinals to show, you know, like going into the season, this is why you should care about us. This is what's going on, you know. I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. But again, it's like, it's preseason. Like, nobody really... The one thing that's always brought up is the fact that the 0-16 Detroit Lions went 4-0 in preseason. They, yeah, they did indeed. I mean, I'm not saying that preseason is is something where you know you you're going to you're going to see like the exact way that people are playing. It's not the the thing that's going to be an indicator of of your best teams and your worst teams. But for me, it's all about like you know if you're on the field, if you're doing it you should be giving your absolute best towards that at any time regardless you know maybe not getting yourself into situations where you're going to get injured maybe not over exerting yourself the way that you would for you know a a first down in a game that really mattered or something but showing a bit of pep and a bit of like willingness to be there because to me it almost seemed as though not just Kyler, actually. It was it was uh, quite a few guys in that offense looked like they thought it was beneath them that entire time, which I think, you know, it's not something that makes me worried for the season. I just think it's a crap attitude to have overall. Yeah. Especially given that they're doing, you know, some people's dream job, right? I think that's the bit that stings there. As I said, I don't, I don't think that it's the kind of thing that's going to carry over to the season. And I do believe him when he says, oh, it's just the preseason, we'll actually start trying in a few weeks and whatever. But, you know, if this is your... I, I just think it's... A, I don't want to use the word disrespectful because it's not really, but it's just... I think it's a shame. I think it's a shame when, given that they were only going to be out there for three drives anyway, that they couldn't... And this goes for all of them. You know, this goes for all of the, the guys who weren't playing their best there. It's a shame that they couldn't at the time just, like, gather it together suck it up and and just play you know that little bit better for that little bit longer yeah so i mean like obviously you wouldn't see them score some points at some point but obviously preseason points don't count do they either no it's 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 absolutely true but you know i think it would be um yeah i think it's silly to to throw away a big opportunity like that you know as you said obviously like a really boring preseason with no injuries as opposed to like a like a preseason that's like really exciting, but like you've lost two of your best players or something. Yeah, like that. no, I, I agree. I don't want to. Nobody wants to see an exciting preseason, but I just wanted to show. I wanted to see a bit of heart out there. I think that's the thing that I struggled with is the fact that there wasn't really any um, passion being shown in that point. You know, it's like even if even if they'd gone out and they'd said. We don't care. Yeah, there, there's there's the perfect way to say it. It's like if they'd gone out there and said, we don't care, it's just preseason, but we're out there to have a little bit of fun, you know, then that's something different. And again, it's you don't need to be doing over-the-top plays to have fun. You don't need to be doing um, anything that's going to get you hurt to have fun, but you could be out there with a smile on your face. You know, if they'd done three three-and-outs, but they looked like they were enjoying themselves, I feel like that would be a different... Um, different situation but a lot of them just looked miserable i think that's that's the heart of my problem really is the fact that they looked and sounded miserable at being there we just have to hope they're not like that when it comes to week one then yeah exactly exactly i mean this is all a moot point right like because what matters is the product that they put on the field in week one but i do think that the product that they put out there for you know at least the first team i think that a lot of the second stringers and stuff did a better job and i don't think that it's it's worthwhile you know, reading much into the first string and going, oh, we're going to be in trouble this year. But there you go. I've got one negative down here that I've wrote down. I mean, I'm not sure if it is totally a negative because, you know, he's still doing something right. But Isaiah Simmons against the run. Mm. Like I was, I saw a tweet this afternoon where it was basically saying, 
I mean, we're going off PFF's random number generator once again, but like against the pass, he's rated like 70 something. But mm-hmm. against the run, I think he's like 35, 40 rating. Yeah. It's partially the difference in like lateral acceleration and speed versus the run because I, I, I don't know the stats for this, but for me watching him versus the run, it's not the runs that come through the box that he's he's bad with. It's not the runs that are coming through the A gap, the B gap. It's the runs that go further outside and go out to the C gap. I just think he's almost just not quite got the speed to catch guys that are going that far laterally. I, I don't think it's that really. Cause I, if you watch the plays, like he just seems to get eaten up by the blocks a lot easier than most guys. Like he can't seem to get off the blocks at all. Like he sees David Collins, he just whacks a guy away. Yeah, and he's there making the play in the backfield. But like I say, Simmons, it seems like he'd get he like initiates contact with the offensive lineman. Then he's there, like he'd try and spin away, and sometimes he does. But like by the time he's free from the blocker, like the play's already ended or gone even further away. So, like he's just been taken out the plays too easily. I think. Yeah, just just getting out to that second level. Um, I mean, it's easy for us to sit here and criticize. I oh, guess, I know, yeah. I know. Yeah, uh, he he. I think literally everyone that we talk about on this podcast can do literally anything in football better than either of us can but and, and i don't want to criticize him in that way but yeah definitely i, I could see that being a thing just like the, the lack of penetration to the second level but i do also think that his um his, his lateral movement is is less good in my opinion um that being said you know it's it's only his second year it's only you know his his preseason. he's been moved around a bunch it's all about where he ends up playing and and not just that, but the duties that he ends up taking on, and I think when you look at the the Cardinals, uh, like linebacker core, as it were, or let's just say, you know, um, a defensive lineman overall, there's a lot there, and there's a lot of shuffling that can and will be done throughout the season. I think, and I think we're going to see Isaiah Simmons's um, Pro Football Focus grades, as you say, going up and down throughout that. I think that brings us on as well to the other negative that I've noticed is the lack of a first-string defensive line throughout the preseason. Yeah. So if you look at the Kansas City game, we had guys like Jack Crawford, Marcus Hunt, Licky Fotu. I mean, he's obviously going to play because, you know, we drafted him and he did a good job as a rookie, so he'll stick around. And then there's also St. Albans' Josh Morrow. <laughs> it's the St. Albans' zone. But it's like there's not been any Jordan Phillips due to injury and COVID. Rashad Lawrence, I think he's been injured as well. JJ Watt, he's been Obil, yeah. Chandler Jones, he's coming back of his injury. Uh, Marcus Golden, he's I think he's probably injured as well. Who am I missing out? I'm sure I'm missing someone out. Yeah. Corey Peters. Oh yeah, true. I mean, the thing is, is we were never going to see much of the first string in in preseason anyway, but. I agree it would be nice to be able to see them all as a unit, you know, together and, and it would give me hope that we were gonna get them for the for the season. The the upside to it all, I think, is that despite our lack of a first string defensive line, we still have also managed to at least keep up. You know, it's not been it's not been as though we've been allowing uh quarterbacks just an age to stand in the box and and you know hold on to it or whatever we've been you know applying pressure and again it's you know two second string offensive lines and everything like that so it's it's apples to oranges but i do think that despite the fact that we've got some injury prone guys in that you know unit we have backups that are obviously nowhere near as good but at least able to do something yeah, I mean, it's one of those things as well, like, as you say, we probably wouldn't have seen the first string line in preseason for that long anyway. You know, it might have been, yeah. like, a few drives here and there. But, like, if we're, like, still lacking all these guys in week one, then obviously you're going to be concerned, aren't you? But, like, I suppose in one way, it has, like, all these, like, backups and guys fighting for a roster spot. It's given them a lot more snaps to, like, show what they can do maybe like keep them in the 
like the mind of Steve Kime and Vance Joseph and that and whoever else makes the decisions on roster. Absolutely. It also gives them, you know, a lot more uh, to look back on when it comes to if if there is an injury during the season, it gives them a lot more tape to look back on and go, right, that's our guy. You know, we can see him filling this, the boots of so-and-so, who, whoever's been injured. And I mean, I did forget one person. I forgot Zach Allen. Oh yeah, Zach Allen. It's a tricky unit to remember because there's so many of them. There is loot, but the, I mean that's a good thing because we do rotate the defensive line a lot. We so. do, and and I think you know, especially in in certain games, like see when it comes to the fourth quarter and everybody's tired and everything like that, and we've just got more guys that we can bring on that are fresh. That's the kind of thing that that breaks apart offensive lines, and that's the kind of thing that can stall fourth quarter drives. You know, if you can just bring in somebody who's fresh and just apply that pressure, you know, you can force mistakes. Should we move on to talk about game three of the preseason? The final one? I think this would also be a, a, a negative because it's yet again at 1am. Yeah, and it's also going into a Sunday this time, which I suppose... Not, people don't really do much on a Sunday anyway, do we? So no, that's true. Stay up, watch some football, why not? Game three versus New Orleans, we're expecting to see players who are fighting their last for a roster spot that's traditionally who you get most of on uh on the final game of preseason, right yeah but like usually well i say usually like before this year it's been four preseason games so like uh, that is true game three is used as like a dress rehearsal for the first stringers like they probably play like the first half maybe into the second half as well this year it could be completely different yeah, I actually, that's a really good point. I, I, I have no idea who they will be getting to suit up for that. I guess because I'd, I'd kind of, in my mind, predicted before that we would see Kyler and Co. mostly in the uh, Kansas City game, but um, we will see, I guess, if we see him in, in New Orleans or if they considered that, you know, three, that, that three series drive to, to be enough. Well, I mean, we did have some live-ish comments from post-practice today where Cliff Kingsbury said he's not sure yet when asked about Kyler Murray playing versus the Saints. And he also added that K1 doesn't need extra preseason reps. So read into that what you will. I think I think it could go either way. I think it's also going to depend on do they think that anybody else in the first string offense needs reps with Kyler? You know, do, is there anybody who, who needs practice being thrown to by him in a game-like situation? And on top of that, I think that the other thing that it will depend on is who does New Orleans put out, right? Because it's all well and good putting out your first-string offense, but if they put out a second-string defense against it, then you know, you're know you not really going to learn that much, are you? Obviously, we're not playing them, but Chicago were in the news today saying that Andy Dalton is their starter for week one when it comes round to it. So rookie Justin Fields will be starting their third preseason game and Andy Dalton won't be playing a single down in it. He'll just be not even dressed. Yeah, so, well, he'll be dressed, obviously, because you can't be naked on the sidelines. There's rules. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know what I meant. I know what you mean, yeah. But, like, you could say the same with New Orleans, because it seems like maybe Jameis Winston has got the like the lead when it comes to who's going to be the one to take over from Drew Brees. Yeah. So, like, if they start Taysom Hill, on Sunday, then, you know, obviously it's going to be Winston week one and Hill's going to be his backup. Well, I think here's the the interesting part about all of that, if you ask me, which is that, you know, we were talking before about like, okay, traditionally, you know, years gone by, game three would be your dress rehearsal for the uh, main offense. And then, you know, week four would be this game where you put out the, the people who are on their last hope and they need to show something now or they're going to get cut or whatever. Um, these are all things that established themselves essentially as, you know, traditions between the teams over years and years and years. Whereas now we're in this, you know, era where we've got three preseason games and I think that we're going to see all sorts of teams do all sorts of different things, you know. Um, so... You know, it would be interesting to it will definitely be interesting to see who New Orleans puts out, and it'll be interesting to see where who we put out early as well. It does sound an awful lot like um like Cliff isn't planning on playing Kyler, but you know, that could also all be smoke and mirrors, right? There is one person who we probably will see a lot of though, and that's Andy Isabella. 
Uh, yeah, that's a good point. He has been kind of somewhat told that this is his chance, right? Yeah, well, obviously he missed the first game due to COVID, and then he missed the second game due to COVID as well. So with the with guys like Greg Dortch playing really well in preseason, some people are thinking maybe this is his last chance to stay on the roster. Yeah, I mean, I could see it happening this time, to be honest. I mean, I don't see it happening just yet because... I mean, obviously, it's not ideal that he's not had a single snap in preseason, and like he's not had any chance on practice or anything like that because he's been holed up in his in his bedroom, yeah, solitary confinement or whatever they do to them. I think the Andy Isabella one is going to be there. It's going to depend on what they've seen from him in practice this year as well. You know, it's like where does he stand overall? But I do see this as being you know a big test for him. The thing is, is like. All he really needs to do is prove that he has a safe pair of hands and a reasonable backup. So he needs to run some some good routes and he needs to make a good catch, preferably one that would be worthy of the highlight reel for the game. And that's him got a safe job. But I, I think he would need to almost do a bad job in this game to be considered for the cuts, considering you know uh, how many cuts there need to be and, and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, because I mean, like, it seems like most people in the organization in the inside the organization believe that he's going to be on the 53 but if you talk to any fan they're like get rid of him right now <laughs> it's strange there's there's definitely like a vocal uh, subset of people who are who are ready to see the back of him i don't see why though because you know he's not really had an opportunity has he no i agree i agree that he's not really had the the right chance to go out there and show what he's doing but it's one of those things though isn't it like we could cry and moan about all the cuts that we want, but you know we're not the ones making the decisions at the end of the day. Yeah, no, and and actually quite thankful of that because you know I imagine that you've got to tell some very nice people that they can't play football anymore, or at least not for us. You can't play for. Yeah, <laughs> true. These these are the things that have to be done, and and you know coming down to the fifty three man roster, uh, we'll obviously have a have a look at it in the podcast uh, in a few weeks once it comes down to it. I mean, yeah. you gotta you gotta earn your spot on it, right? Yeah, because basically this is the final chance for people to make an impression before the cut to fifty three. Yeah, which is the August the thirty first is a deadline for that, and like you say, we'll cover it in our post, well, our pre season sort of review predictions yeah. or all that sort of thing, whatever you want to call it. And the thing is, is you got to be really, really good to get on that fifty three man roster. I know people sort of, you know say that there's there's guys on on every team who are bad at football but they're they're really not you know they're just comparatively not as great as the as the best of all you know you still got to be a really impressive athlete to make that 53 man roster did you know there's actually cuts that need to be made today as well yeah it's just like this is it's like only a very few number of people need to be cut right yeah it's another five but yeah. thankfully, we have the list right now. Oh, do you, did you get it up? I've been checking Twitter in the background. Who's been cut? About five minutes ago, the Arizona Cardinals tweeted that we have released offensive lineman Brandon Bowen and defensive lineman David Parry, waived injured linebacker Jamel Garcia-Williams and placed defensive lineman Jack Crawford on injured reserve. I can't say any of those are especially surprising names. You know, I think these these cuts that you get, you know, there's a certain level of them that you start to get to the guys who you've never seen play and you've never really, you know, not exactly heard of, but, uh, you know, guys that are n- not the biggest names, let's say that. But I mean, like Jack Crawford, he is from London. Mm. So, you know, that's one less European on the roster. I'm excited to see that uh, Bernhard Sykovitz has made it through so far, though. Yeah, but I think with him being on the international player program, he'll obviously be able to take up a practice squad spot without actually counting towards the practice squad. Oh, I didn't know they did that. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing with all the like the international players. They can sit on there and like not count towards. But obviously, if they're on that part of it, they can't be activated at all through the season. Right. Okay. So that's just like a. A sort of special slot almost yeah yeah still though i mean it's nice nice to see that he's made it past the the cut regardless he does have a nice website though if you go to it psychovitz.com i think it is right psychovitz.com oh that is a good website yeah i noticed it came up before so it was like yeah maybe we can get him on a podcast oh that'd be cool actually 
I, I suspect the German bird gang might be able to get him faster because I think he's a natural German speaker, but he, he speaks good enough English, better than some of us. So you know, yeah, we'll take it. Let's <laughs> send, we'll send him a. Hey uh, Bernhard, come on our podcast. Yeah, but before we get to that, we've got one final bit of news to talk about, and that's of course fantasy football, everyone's favorite part of the season. <laughs> yeah, but fantasy, fantasy football indeed. Um, well, I guess uh, Bird Gang Bowl updates first. I saw you tweet out before we did the podcast that there were two spots left. I, have they been filled yet? I believe they've both been filled, yes. Still waiting on one person to get back to me again, like always, because, you know, nothing's ever straightforward in this job. <laughs> yeah. It was a little bit behind the scenes look that Tom was like feverishly trying to fill those spaces, like right as we started the podcast. So. I mean, it was just to get it out of the way, not just because we we're on the podcast. It's not like we needed any more content. Yeah, so I think you said there was a, like 80 people or something this year, right? Yeah, we're going to fit 80 again this year because, you know, it seemed to work well last year. Yeah, that's that's good to know. And of course, we have people paying a £1 entry fee. We're going to have to have a Bird Gang Bowl trophy this year, albeit not a trophy. Yeah, I think... It's going to be a bowl. <laughs> it's going to be a Bird Gang Bowl bowl. Which I did tweet some pictures out about, but, you know... It'll look a lot better than my pictures, I'm sure. I, I think I've seen pictures that you drew in like felt tip or something like that. It's not felt tip, it was fine liner pens. <laughs> Did it felt tip. I'll use crayons next time. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. It was uh yeah, no, I think that's that's gonna be fun. Uh it's something to play for. And uh, you know, Bird Gang Bowl is always good fun. I enjoy it every year. Um and don't forget if you are entering that we do choose our favorite names of teams so do try and come up with something that will give us something to laugh at and or talk about yeah i'll leave mine until we get to that episode because i think we'll do that on the preseason one because that'll be after we've drafted yeah indeed and then uh there is for this year for the first time ever uh an international bird gang ball speaking of me talking about the german bird gang there so there's 12 people in it four from each i'm luckily to be one of them because you know I just chose myself to be there. <laughs> the other three were randomly selected. And, you know, we managed to draft even with people like on the other side of the world, people in Australia, you know, people in Germany, you know. That's quite impressive, I've got to say. I mean, it was some, sometimes it took like quite a few hours between the picks. Yeah. Other times they were picked like within minutes of each other. So I imagine sometimes, you know, with people being in Australia, you'd occasionally be making like a series of picks while people are in bed and stuff. But, you know, that's it sounds sounds like good fun. I'm looking forward to seeing where that all goes. Yeah, I mean, the people didn't seem to like my draft picks because when I put a poll up on Twitter and it was like, I think I finished third or fourth, even though I actually quite liked my team I put together. So way to crush my dreams, people. <laughs> Oh no. It's alright, I'll show them. And of course, the last fantasy football is the Dynasty League, which we're both in. Yeah, indeed. And Dynasty League is uh, back off to a good start where we've managed to do all the drafting again. Yep. And you will, you're coming into it as the reigning champion. I am. I I've got to a, mention that. I've, I've got my trophies right next to me here, actually. You know, it's nice and chunky. Thankfully, it's an audio podcast, not a visual one, so people can't see it. People can hear it. I'm sure people can hear that there are trophies in the background. Could be anything, though. Could be a tin of beans. L- looking, for- <laughs> looking forward to the uh, the Dynasty Gang again this year. Um, I did do a fair few uh, selections while I was absolutely toasted uh, after going to football hospitality, so I'm excited to see how those work out. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with the way my draft came out, so you know, we'll see if I'm not finishing last again this year. Although I did yeah. like getting a trophy. So, hopefully this year it's another trophy, but the winnings. Yeah, just not not a wooden spoon this time. Well, I'll even take a high score trophy, you know, anything like that. Win the division, we'll see. Yes, yeah, some something something with a bit of fun. I either way, I mean, uh, it sounds like you'll be particularly busy with uh, fantasy football this year. Well, I mean, I did drop one league, but then picking up the bird gang ball, it was like, yeah, now we're back to the normal quota. And I'm trying to cut down on fantasy football, but here we are. <laughs> well, there we go. I guess, um, you know, fantasy football, That's uh, it really is time for the season again. Of course, the 
only place to be for this season is following us at British Bird Gang on Twitter because we continue to grow from strength to strength. Approach 5,000 followers. Hopefully we'll get there sometime in the season. Who knows? Soon enough. I mean, uh, it's the sort of... The, the uh, Twitter page does seem to grow in fits and starts, doesn't it? It seems to be when you've got a particularly good one that people uh, all of a sudden find you. Yeah. It's a shame, though, because like every time you know uh, Sky or NFL UK or somebody does one of those tweets that's designed to promote all of the you know UK fan bases, they always miss out British Bird Gang. That's what we pay for being original, you know, not doing like obviously on the Cardinals UK. Yeah. Oh well. On the plus side, everybody corrects them in the comments. So yeah, I mean, I do like seeing. It's probably why they hate NFL UK hates us, you know, because everyone's like. You know, maybe you should do your job right first. Yeah, exactly. Find where all the fans are, not like where some of the fans are. I don't think we're on all the fans either because there's still plenty who don't follow us. Yeah, so and you might find us throughout the season. Yeah, indeed. Tell tell your friends. Um, and if you're not into finding us on on Twitter, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash British Bird Gang and join the group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash British Bird Gang. You're doing my job for me now. <laughs> I can do the merch as well if you want. British Bird Gang t-shirts at britishbirdgang.tml.com. And of course, if you like what you listen to on the podcast, then, you know, Leave us a review, five stars, wherever you listen to your podcast. Of course, if you think it's worthy of five stars, you know. If it isn't, then, you know, tell us why. Yeah, why exactly. You know? give, give us some feedback. I, I, I enjoy that. Um, and it's it's good to, uh, always good to hear from, from the audience. And I'm sure uh, by, by the time we've got next week, we'll have our mailbag feature returning as well. So do look out for the tweets and things to see um, when our you know, uh, mailbag opens up, but generally, you know, if you if you tweet at us through the week, um, then you're gonna gonna get a, a spot on there. Hopefully, if you've got something interesting to say, yeah, I mean, like plenty of people tweet British Bear Gang with utter nonsense, so you know <laughs> they don't get on. I mean, British Bear Gang tweets a lot of nonsense anyway, so I suppose it attracts. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And of course, you can't leave any bad reviews about this episode because it's our first one in a few weeks, and we're rusty. So, you know, yeah, we've got to get back to it. It's like a preseason game, right? It doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it'll count in the listening figures. So, you know, make sure you listen to the podcast. Yeah. And it counts in our episode counting numbers where this is 117, I want to say. It is, yes. Like the sixth season or something like that. It's mental how long we've been doing this for. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. And still, nothing from it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We get enjoyment from it. That's the main thing. Well, until next episode, thanks for listening and good night. Goodbye. I don't know why I said good night.